Welcome to the GateWorld Podcast. Welcome, everyone, to episode number 124 of the GateWorld podcast. I'm Darren. I'm David. And this is the show where two nerds talk about Stargate. This week's main topic discussion is Common Descent, episode 17 of Stargate Universe Season 2. We have a lot of stuff to talk about today. In addition to that, actually, it's a big week. It's a really big show. Uh, but first, David, how's it going? I'm doing well. It's uh, definitely spring here in LA. Looking forward to Easter tomorrow. Probably going to go out with some friends and I don't know. Uh, hope we don't hit any uh, bunny rabbits. And um, uh, yeah, what about you? Your fams? Cool. Happy belated Easter to everybody who's listening. Have you made uh, eggs? It's uh, Yeah, we did eggs with the kids and we had a big uh, community Easter egg hunt today, uh, the day that we're recording this. It was a lot of fun. So there was uh, we did the Easter egg hunt and then there was basically this, this big group of Americans out in uh, in Scotland playing baseball on the field. <laughs> well, we have a ton of voicemail, as expected, on uh, the news that came a week or two ago that Stargate is coming to an end, at least for the foreseeable future. The television um, version. Diana, but, if Diana were here, she'd be chiming in. Just the TV version, not the, the franchise! Just the TV version. The franchise goes on in the form of novels, certainly, in the form of... Of um, a lot of people are talking about comic books because there Different are other merchandise, yeah. franchises that have continued on in comic book form. Um, so yeah, the the tie-in stuff continues. You look at a lot of uh, different franchises. The tie-in stuff is often strengthened when a show like Star Trek, for instance, is canceled. Their novels got a huge boom. Yeah, which is something I want to talk about with comic books when we get there after our main discussion. We'll talk about this. Uh, but first, before we get to talk about Common Descent, there's some scheduling news that I want to talk about that um, has has been the talk of the town on the boards the last week or so. Sci-Fi Channel announced that they're going to move Sanctuary from Friday nights at 10 over to Monday nights. So it's going to be the lead-out show following Stargate Universe for its last three episodes. Okay. A lot of people are sort of nervous about this because... Tuesday night was so bad for Caprica and SGU. They both got canceled. And Monday night, you know, is is there any safe haven for scripted drama other than on Friday nights anymore? So you're saying they might be moving Sanctuary over to put it on the chopping block? Well, have good an excuse news is, to. Yeah, I mean, I sort of want to uh, soothe the, the minds of nervous Sanctuary fans out there. Uh, the good news is Sanctuary's already been renewed for season four. They're already mm-hmm. shooting. Uh, it doesn't mean that they're not going to go back to Friday night when they premiere in the fall. And really, Sci-Fi is looking to to stake its flag in Monday nights. I think that they are sort of giving up on Tuesdays, rightly so. So when you look at the four shows that they have uh, that are premiering in July for their summer season, hmm. one of those four is going to be in that, that post-wrestling time slot on Friday nights. The other three, they're going to air in a three-hour primetime block on Mondays. They're staking okay. out Mondays. That's going to be the first time, I think, since those glory days of SG-1 Atlantis Battlestar back in 2005, where sci-fi has aired three original scripted dramas back-to-back mm-hmm. back on the same night. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how this works out. Um, I'm delighted that Sanctuary is moving with uh, SGU for the last few episodes. I don't currently watch Sanctuary. It's one of those that's it's on my list. I just it's not really high priority on on my shelf right now. I will get around to seeing all of it. That you have that Amanda Tapping component. Very similar audiences. I think that this this may help ratings a little bit. Not that it not that it matters. And at this point, jeez, <laughs> but it's better than nothing. Well, that show's coming back. Um, I mean, in the ratings, they had uh, their first ratings in for the first episode back, April 15th. And it was apparently the lowest of Sanctuary's season Mm. so far. So it makes sense they want to try something different. Mm -hmm. Um, Also, uh, we just premiered Urban Legends um, behind Stargate Universe on Mondays. And its first episode, you know, SGU's ratings are nothing to write home about. Mm -mm. And Urban Legends is a new reality series. It got less than half of SGU's lead-in audience. Wow. So I think that they're moving Urban Legends to that post-wrestling slot to try and give it a boost. The main discussion. 
Common Descent is episode 17 of SGU season 2 once again. It's the fourth from the last episode of the show. It, it seems to have set us up with a bit of a two-parter, at least. I mean, I sort of presume that, that, that these major threads are going to be resolved uh, in epilogue next week. I don't uh, know. These four may, be, may all be attached. I but we'll see. Be yeah, it may, it may run on. Before we jump into it, we should note that this is Robert Cooper's last episode that he As wrote. the writer. Yeah. Peter DeLuise directed it. Another fine job. I don't think the man's directed a, uh, from a directing perspective. I don't think he's done a bad show. Mm-hmm. He's, he's been doing a ton this, this back half of SGU. I know. This episode didn't quit. I was enveloped and hooked the entire time. Mm-hmm. This there's a lot is, going on, for sure. Well, yes, there's a lot going on, but what's happening is so big, you know? There have been 85 people on this frontier, uh, and now there could be 85 million. I mean, that that was huge. That was huge. And they are 2,000 years ahead of us technologically. So, I mean, they, they were set back probably a little bit, but at least they have our knowledge. So this is, this is, quite, this is quite something. When, mm-hmm. when, they, the, when they went through the gate with when Camille and, and, and Eli and the others went through and the, the citizens of this planet realized what was happening and, happening and we realized what was happening, I got giddy. I mean, there was a smile across <laughs> my face. We are not alone out here. Yeah, I, so. we've, we've been watching the show for so long, and they're out in these, these distant galaxies that are so far away from anything that the ancients ever touched. Mm-hmm. So there's no human form life. Um, mm-hmm. You can't stop off at a planet every week and, and meet some, mm-hmm. some aliens with bumpy foreheads that talk mm-hmm. like us. And this was a, a brilliant science fiction premise. I mean, mm-hmm. as much as it's sort of been done in other shows... I can't think in 350-some episodes of Stargate we've ever done this sort of thing in Stargate before. Where Not sort of really. Our, our ancestors, our descendants. No, no. I think you're thinking of DS9's episode, Children of Time. Yeah. Uh, Diana and I talked about that one. Very similar premise. Not so much when we actually see this show, but it's definitely, it definitely borrows from that. This episode has a lot of great talent. Uh, August Schillenberg whom I have, have recognized since I was a little kid with Free Willy. I was delighted to see that actor in this episode. Truly fantastic actor. He played Yaozu, um, okay. the, the elder of the village or the settlement or whatever you call, want to call it. Uh, great character. Didn't get nearly enough screen time, so I'm hoping that he'll have a much larger presence in this uh, in this upcoming episode. Yeah, I was all set based on the spoilers and the photos that I had seen for this episode to criticize the fact that not just quibble, but criticize the fact that these guys have been around for two thousand years and they are apparently living in tents in a forest. They they dealt with this immediately with the fact. Yeah, that, this is that this is a settlement. This is not, this is not Novus. Novus. This is, a, this is a settlement. This is an expeditionary group that was sent out, uh, what, about 30 years ago? 30 years ago. Wasn't that an interesting twist? And they lost contact. I don't think they gave us a date as to when they lost contact with Novus, but Jason and Ellie said that it was before they were born. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. presumably 20-plus years ago. Mm-hmm. My prediction that the – well, the two of my predictions come true. The first one was that you know I didn't, I didn't believe that the other, civil, mm-hmm. the other destiny – Destineers were destroyed in the wormhole. I believe that it jumped uh, to mm. another location. That's precisely what it did. That's exactly um, right. You nailed it. I nailed it. And I thought that the, the drones would be back. I thought we would be using that prop again, that expensive piece that PropWorks will probably sell and someone will turn into a, a, coffee, a table. coffee table. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. A coffee table. Put glass over the top of it. Yeah, that's, that, that was a beautiful uh, prop, and they used that again. So I suspected we'd see those guys again, um, and no clue if we're out of the woods with them yet. Yeah, I mean, you were exactly right. That's who this these guys were. They were sent back in time to a nearby planet. I was I was sort of hoping that we would see the drones again, not because I thought they were terribly compelling, uh, just sort of this automated weapon that got left behind. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're not even really a, a, a villain. They're not an opponent. They're just technology that didn't get turned off right because they apparently destroyed the probably destroyed the civilization that created them. Mm. I was hoping that 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 midseason two parter was not just going to be sort of a wash, mm-hmm. which is sort of a waste. Of there's this, these things keep shooting at us a lot, and can we get away? And that's the end of it. Yeah, and uh, that's our that's our two parter. 
yeah, fortunately, as it turns out with Common Descent, um, that that's not the end of it. Mm-hmm. These things are still around, and they're actually chasing us now, mm-hmm. which is a really interesting idea. And it's fascinating to me how they are managing to chase us. Mm-hmm. Well, we don't really know the answer to that. I mean, we, we thought for initially that it was the... I guess we kind of do. We thought initially that it was the uh, the drone that we took with us, and they're tracking our um, our subspace events, Stargate usage. Eli says that uh, wormhole is a is a massive subspace event, and uh, exactly. I mean that that makes sense. Probably not the drones themselves, but I would guess the command ships have the the technology that's advanced enough to be able to detect sensors, yeah, subspace events from a distance. Well, and and think about it. I mean, if your mission is to seek out technologically advanced civilizations and destroy them, you would be monitoring those frequencies for such for such mm-hmm. activity. Yeah, I don't think that this is something that we've ever encountered before. Certainly not Earth, and none of the advanced civilizations that we know from the milky way can monitor when a stargate is is active on a planet near you Mm-mm. no we've used seismic um sensors before like on earth mm-hmm. it's antarctica and siberia um but nothing like this this was a cool idea there's a lot it's of really cool stuff that's happening yeah. in this episode yeah so the drones apparently go after you know the the wormhole sends up a flare in subspace and they go after it and they find destiny they're after Destiny, obviously, because it's advanced technology, mm. but eventually they also attack the planet mm-hmm. um, in this episode. And we see that the drones are capable of, of maneuvering uh, just as well in the atmosphere as they mm-hmm. are in space. They go after the, the technology just that the little camps have. I uh, couldn't help but notice this was a clearly coordinated assault. They yeah. don't just go after Destiny and the planet. They go after them simultaneously. That would have taken yeah. a little bit of strategy and... and um, so well-programmed uh, Yeah, well-programmed, yeah. I mean, I would love to find out that, frankly, that the command ships are populated, that the Ursini were just wrong, hmm. and the civilization is still around to one degree or another. Maybe they were in hibernation, you know, just like the Ursini hibernate. Mm. Yeah, mm-hmm. they also, on that planet's surface, they blast the hell out of the Stargate. <laughs> that Stargate is gone. Which was um, awesome. One of, the, yeah. one of the coolest moments of the episode, because these things are so dang resilient. We've never mm-hmm. seen a Stargate have a, basically a hole blown in its No, we've seen before. a Stargate split in half in 48 hours. Yeah, they're, they're incredibly hard to destroy. We've dropped Stargates into stars before. Uh, and, yeah. And it takes, it takes you know, a, few, a few seconds, if not a few minutes, for the gate to be destroyed. Anyways, what I'm, what I'm interested in, the fact that they shot the Stargate, was that, was that uh, just because they were attacking the people who were fleeing through the gate and, and presumably had technology on them? Or were they actually targeting the Stargate itself? Because the Stargate was what had sent up the subspace flare. Well, what was the directive originally for these cre- for these beings? I think they say in this episode that the uh, the drones were, were programmed to seek out technology, not necessarily seek out civilizations. Yeah, um, yeah. But they, if you notice, the drones definitely take shots at the people in the episode. Yeah. And there's a couple of really great stunts. Yeah, I think it's speculation on the part of the Destiny crew, but but the line is that they're they are programmed to seek and destroy all advanced technology. So not even just the the species that these guys creators were at war with. Mm-hmm. So I mean, this kind of makes me wonder if they're going around destroying Stargates, maybe only when they're used, so that the the subspace flare goes up and and the drones know where a gate is and they go and blow it up mm. because it's advanced technology. So the Novans, as I'm going to call them, the people from Novus, uh, again, they're they're our descendants. They've lost contact with Novus, their home world. Novus has a good 2,000-year development on it. And they tell us that they've split up into two distinct countries and two distinct political philosophies, apparently after Colonel Young and Nicholas Rush, who was not there. Wasn't that... Wasn't with them. No, he wasn't with them. And I think that that, that's an interesting storytelling approach. Let's take our people and run them forward 2,000 years and see what's happened. The two Mm. political sides, not too much unlike the Federation and the Maquis aboard Voyager, the two political sides eventually take shape to form two countries on a planet. That's great storytelling, man. That's that's clever. Well, Uh, it's it's so interesting to me because, first of all, Rush and Young at this point in the show are getting along pretty well. I mean, at the beginning of the episode, Rush is giving some really level-headed advice 
about, hey, uh, our, our lime is running out, it's going to start to get hard to breathe, we're trying to get away from these drones, but we really need to stop. And Young, Young agrees, it's, it's good advice. And, and second, the fact that Rush doesn't, doesn't go with them, the alternate Rush, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Wasn't, wasn't part of this settlement. So it ends up being people who believed that he was back on Destiny and was going to come save them. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. Brody, apparently. Yeah, like some people like Eli suspected that they went into the past. So when they wrote the Testament, it was kind of like ingrained that, that you know, it's not like Jesus will come again, but Rush will come again or the yeah. Destiny will reappear. Um, there's a lot of that into into myth and, mm-hmm. and uh, I mean yeah. right down to like Rush becoming kind of a demon or a devil kind of figure. The two younger ones, which I think is interesting, the older ones, the the, the older um, Novans didn't behave this way, but it was the younger Novans who who looked upon him like he was some kind of a some kind of a creature. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was really great. Yeah. Steal their souls and take them to Rip hell. Rip the souls out of their body. <laughs> And that Young is just so good. dismissive of these people. He's not interested in them at all. Interesting choice. I'm not particularly yeah. sure why they went with that, but, you know, I mean, it, it certainly, uh, it certainly well, made things interesting. Yeah, Rush is Rush. He's, uh, he's interested in getting resources and getting on with the mission. Mm. So what we end up getting to see uh, through the Kino footage that they yes. have that's, you know, a couple thousand years old Alternate is... history. What you know, if we weren't stuck on destiny, or potentially maybe even if if we we are stuck on destiny, this mm-hmm. becomes a generational ship. Mm-hmm. If we can maintain ourselves with supplies and and start to have kids, you know, what does the future of the destineers look like? And um, there are people getting together, you know, young mm-hmm. and TJ. Young and TJ finally hook up. Obviously hooked up at this point. Um, you know, it looks like Matt and Chloe are still together. However, yeah. far in the future it is that TJ's baby is being Eli born. Eli found someone. When um, before Young showed up, were you were, were you and uh, and Mrs. Darren taking bets as to who it was going to be? <laughs> was it going to be Varro or Young? Because that's the big question. When he's not there, who is it going to be? You know, and I yeah. frankly was survi- surprised that it was Young. Something must have happened to Varro. You don't see him. Yeah, so. I was absolutely surprised. And and you yeah. imagine that when they're settling. Uh, with no resources on a new planet, there there may be some casualties along mm-hmm. the way, and mm-hmm. and trees Barrow fall may not... on you and that sort of thing. Exactly, Morrow <laughs> may not be be around much anymore. But uh, I was surprised. Yeah, I was surprised that it was young, and I I think I was a little bit thrown by the the dialogue because um, TJ and Camille, I think, and Chloe were there, and they were talking about you know where is he? Is he going to get mm-hmm. here? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and there's a there's a line about about he's out. You know, Matthew Scott being like out whatever they were doing. No, Matt was there, but scouting. They were scouting for like aqueducts or something. So they were they were really you know moving forward. And yeah. I have but, to. No, s- but Matt wasn't wasn't there, um, at least not that I recall at the beginning. Yeah, he was there. Didn't, sh- didn't he show up? Oh, with he showed young? up with Young, didn't he? Yeah, you're right. Yeah. You're absolutely right. Yeah, it was just the Chloe and Eli. Was about, and- was about <laughs> Matt, and I thought, <clears throat> wait a minute, are they saying that? That the father of TJ's baby is Matt? No, I never got that impression. But that you know, there's always been a, a little sort of sort of something in the fact that they're you know both lieutenants in the military. They've served mm-hmm. together for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, they have they have sort of a brother sister relationship. Mm-hmm. So that that sort of threw me for a loop for a few seconds until Young showed up, and then I was just shocked. Yeah. What didn't Elena do a convincing performance of a woman giving birth? That oh, was almost painful to watch. Yeah. That was, yeah. I mean, yeah, it really looked like she was bringing back some real memories when she was doing <laughs> well, that. She, I, man. She has, I think, four kids at this point yeah. in real life. So, yeah, she's um, got definitely a few. Definitely one of the one of the, the more realistic birthing scenes that I've seen on, on sci-fi television. I just ate up the, the future past Kino footage. I thought it was fascinating. You know, Eli finds, finds somebody, you know, he has a son of his own. That was some good stuff. Um, and I, I think we'll see more in this upcoming episode. You know, it had, had I been Eli, I mean, I would be spending a lot of time bringing my meals from the mess hall and just sitting there and watching because mm. you're learning a lot about yourself. You're learning about who you're going to become, you know, young sees himself as an old man and he's like, okay, well, this changes nothing, you know? So he, uh, he definitely has his perspective on it. Yeah. It's really interesting to see, well, to think about the fact that we, we now have this footage and, and, uh, I, I have to assume that Eli's going to make a copy of it mm. and continue to watch it. I mean, mm. it's 
potentially, you know, his entire life is recorded on this thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, An alternate so he's going to find out, you know, who who was it that that he did hook up with from the ship? What was the man that he became? Example. You know, I mean, what what kind of conditions did did he? was he subjected to when he got older and would those be visited upon him you know if mm. genetic disorders things like that you know there's there's a lot of interesting stuff that could come out of this if only the show lasted longer yeah yeah definitely we've we've just with that kino footage uh it's a it's really a great use of the kino mm-hmm. which which has had some great use and some not so great use over the last couple of years this is a great use of the kino footage but just the fact that we got all that stuff is a treasure trove of story ideas for mm-hmm. the future. They want uh, a lift to their planet, which conveniently is on our path in the other direction. And uh, it turns out, you know, we're, we're faced with a problem that, like, the, the Odyssey was faced with after the battle with the Ori. You know, you can't bring too many people on board. The scrubbers can't compete with all the carbon dioxide being pumped into the air by people breathing. Um, right. And that is a continual problem with this. And Rush voices his, his opinion, you know, if... if we take their lime from them, but if we and and all their supplies and food, but if we take them as well, we will end up right back where we started in one week. And it's it's interesting uh, that there are other sort of colonies that are talked about. We never see them. No, there's a couple. Um, there's like two or three other colonies on this planet of about the same amount of people and the same amount of technology. Yeah, just on this planet, and presumably those guys don't all make it to the Stargate. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't evacuate this entire planet, so. Mm-hmm the drones really do leave them alone and, and didn't wipe out those colonies mm-hmm. then you know there's still some novans living on that planet mm. the uh, drones attack and blow up the stargate sort of and we get stuck young and rush agree it's not worth proceeding but eli uses which was another great nod to to the history of the show the gates periodic update subroutine the, the, the small subspace signal that was introduced, mm-hmm. uh, you know, to allow the DHDs to update one another for stellar drift, that subspace signal is what Destiny uses to talk to all the Stargates, see which ones are blocked out, see which ones are okay to visit. He taps into that and uses the on-off switch as Morse code. <laughs> yeah, Brilliant. Which I, think is, I think that was Scott's idea. Yeah, oh, Scott had to have known the Morse code. Yeah, because you see the look on Scott's face. He's like, well, all I can do is turn it on and off. Well, there's your there's your lines, there's your dashes yeah. and your dots. So, yeah. and then cut to Destiny, where Volker and Brody, I think it was, mm. were sitting on the on the bridge. We don't know what's going on. It's never behaved like this before. The, the screen flash, and they don't know what's going on. They can't figure it out. Um, and it takes a, a military guy like Young to look at it and to, to spot Morse code in about I'd one like and a half seconds. Anyone who knows Morse code to say what that was, because it wasn't da 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 da. da. It wasn't. It wasn't SOS. It was yeah. something specific. I'd, I'd be interested to know what it said. Uh, yeah. Well, they wanted to communicate spe- <laughs> the specific information that the drones are gone. That was the one reason why Young was not willing to turn the ship around mm-hmm. and go back and pick them up mm-hmm. uh, was because they had no way of knowing if the drones were still in the area. So our guys on the surface could tell them that the drones were gone and now it's safe to go back and pick them up. This is a very busy episode. A lot happens in it. I mean, it's, it's crammed like Full Circle was crammed. They got a lot of ideas in it in a very short period of time. And as I'm watching this episode, I'm really... Um, I remember thinking to myself, man, if this is if this is one show, I'll really be disappointed because uh, this and as I was talking with Diana earlier this week, this episode alone has ideas that could last half a season that they could they mm. could have executed in half a year. This is huge. A, a human mm. population um, of our ancestors out on the fringes of the universe. That's, and then at the end of the episode, it's not over. And I was like, yes, next week we get to see more. Um, yeah, and there are really other colonies. Crazy. There were other exploratory groups that were sent out mm-hmm. through the Stargate before before Novus lost its gate. Mm-hmm. So potentially we could we could come across you know other Novan settlers somewhere. Mm-hmm. So yeah, at the end of the episode, we finally get there. We're sort of forced to take as many refugees as we can because they're under attack mm-hmm. uh, by by the drones that we brought there. Mm-hmm. So sort of very typical Stargate thing. Um, for Earth to sort of go in and stir up trouble and cause a whole lot of hell mm-hmm. for people mm-hmm. and have to dig their way out of it. Uh, yep. And there's this massive city, massive modern city that is completely deserted. They do multiple flybys. There's no tracks in the snow. It's nope. pretty clear without, you know, without landing and like 
exploring for a few weeks to see if you can find some people maybe living underground. Mm-hmm. Um, there's there's no evidence that anybody is alive here, and there were millions of people that emerged from the the sort of destiny civilization. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what happens next. I have some more thoughts on the city and where those people went, but I imagine you might want to quibble about some of that. I I have six quibbles. Shall we get to them? Let's do them. It's time for quibbles. So we just introduced stasis pods. We have confirmed that they work. We have confirmed that there are several chambers of these. And we're running out of air. When people are in stasis pods, they don't breathe. So what was preventing us from putting all these people into the stasis pods? Sure, the stasis pods require power. Destiny can recharge, but it can't exactly recharge with lime. Why didn't we fill up those stasis pods? If you fill them up, you'll you'll make it. If you fill them up, you will make it. It's exactly right. And we only saw one room, sort of one one set that had been built that had, I don't know, maybe 15 or 20 of them. But they also said that there are rooms like that that go on Mm -hmm. in in both directions, presumably room for hundreds of, of passengers in stasis. I wouldn't be surprised if this next episode ends with us putting all of them on ice. Mm. If if we find that you know and we have no choice but to bring with them with us, yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be happy. I wouldn't be sad about that. That would be nice. Although it's somebody has to explain why they didn't think about that a week earlier. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe they weren't ready yet or something. Hey, it's in David from Richmond, Virginia. I just finished watching Common Descent. First off, I would just like to put forth my observations. Clearly, the version one point gates are extremely fragile. I might even go as far as to say possibly not even made of Naquida. Considering the energy-absorbing properties of Naquida and the fact that of what we've seen it withstand, I would think an energy pulse of all but the most catastrophic degree would it, it would just be able to absorb... Additionally, um, they recently discovered a whole bank of stasis units. I'm surprised that Rush or Eli or I believe it was maybe Brody who actually was in stasis. You know, they not mention it as at least a possibility for transportation. It would cut down on the uh, CO2, uh, cut down on resource consumption, it would pretty much be what what they need for especially a short trip like this. This is the sort of thing that they could have explained with one line of dialogue where Rush just says, you know, we can't use the stasis pods because we haven't checked them out enough yet. They're not they're not really safe. But the way that he used it on Brody yeah. in order to sort of uh, There ain't nothing teach, wrong with them. <laughs> teach Eli a lesson. Rush is pretty confident that Brody's going to be okay in there. So mm-hmm. um, I wouldn't re- I wouldn't really buy that explanation. My first quibble is I, I hesitate even to call it a quibble because I'm, I'm fairly satisfied with the explanation that we get. There's a there's a couple of points where it's mentioned that the alternate Eli, the Eli who went from the twin destiny to this planet two thousand years ago, that that he suspected that they had been sent back in time. Mm-hmm. He knows they they were dialing from a star. Uh, they had initially connected to Earth, but they didn't end up on Earth. Um, so a solar flare could have sent them somewhere else in time, backwards or forwards. So it ends up in, in the, the testament, the sort of holy record that destiny might come along one day. Um, because Eli suspects that they might have ended up on another planet in the same galaxy, uh, backwards in time. That's, that's kind of, I guess the quibble is that's kind of a lot for Eli to have figured out. And he would have really had to become acquainted with past SGC mission reports in order to put those pieces together. Because remember, it was his idea to dial from inside the star to begin with. And and everything that happened in the episode Twin Destinies sort of was his fault. He was not talking about problems with you know solar flares and, and the possibility of time travel back then. Why is he sort of figuring it out now? an interesting point. I mean, I mean, I buy it that, that he figured it out and that he would have been the one to figure it out. But. Mm-hmm. We see this planet, Novus. We see the cities. They are mm-hmm. more technologically advanced than we are now. Mm-hmm. As it should be. They should be they several should be. hundred years of us Let's technologically. 
and they they were us two thousand years ago with our knowledge. That's a starting off point. I mean, you, I mean, sure, you have to construct light bulbs all over again, but we know that light bulbs are made with tungsten. So, I mean, there there are certain things that you they have a starting off point. I find it extremely difficult to believe that this civilization is not spacefaring by now. I find that yes. very difficult to believe. They would have starships. I have to agree with you, and I, I am holding out hope that maybe next week, we, if we find out more about the civilization and what happened to them all, um, that, that we might yet find out that some of them evacuated by ship. Yeah, but uh, if that was the case, then why, why weren't they rescued by ship? Once the once the Stargate on their planet was cut off, were they just too busy? That's that's a possibility. But none of these yeah, guys mention space travel. That's a good point. They, I mean, the, this colony is relatively close. I mean, who knows how fast their ships could travel if they had ships? But mm-hmm. but Destiny by FTL is one week away. Mm-hmm. So yeah, as to how how developed the civilization is, mm-hmm. I want to talk about this for a minute. They have our knowledge from you know the year 2011 on Earth. Well, there's a lot of brilliant scientists who who found this civilization from destiny, but there's only so many of them. They have to, you know, they have to construct some houses. They have to cut down timber. Yeah. Um, they have to build a colony. You have uh, to start. They out don't know like everything. pilgrim style. You have to. Yeah, yeah. They're pilgrims to begin with, which you can kind of see in the in the Kino footage. Yeah. They're living in in the these, this sort of wood house community in in a clearing. Yep. Um, it's going to take them a while to get there. Now, think about where where settlers in North America were in the 1600s and 1700s. Mm-hmm. Um, look how far we've come in those 400 years. So I don't think that they're 2,000 years ahead of us. But I, I mean, if you if you handicap them and put them back maybe 500 years, mm-hmm. I think I think that they're they're at least a thousand or 1,500 yeah. years ahead of if us. If you so threw a Dark Ages or two at them, more. they would still be ahead of us. They would have to be. You know, I, I didn't mention in the main body of the episode uh, Joel Goldsmith's great music. He used this. Uh, he used a lot of guitar. Did you notice mm-hmm. there was a lot of frontier feel music in this episode when you're seeing the camp for the first time? Mm-hmm. Um, it sounded a lot like Brokeback Mountain. To be perfectly honest with you, it was a lot. Yeah. A lot of that that frontier kind of style, outdoorsy kind of music to it, and also in the same breath. Uh, I get, which I guess could be a kind of equivalent to itself. There's heavy use of the mu- of music from Malice in that episode. They tracked an awful lot of music from from that episode, right from the music where uh, Simeon is is gathering guns and leaving leaving Destiny to the the big wide shots of music where with music where you know Rush is returning to the Stargate at the end of that episode. Mm. Uh, it's so disappointing that um, they did not allot enough money uh, for Joel to um, avoid tracking a lot of his work because his stuff is so good. And I, I find it very it's, – it's either they don't, they don't give him enough money or he doesn't have enough time. And I find the latter hard to believe. So, But it was some great music nonetheless. Yeah, the new stuff I was actually going to mention, the music that we, that we hear during those Kino flashbacks when Young, the older Colonel Young, is giving his speech about uh, you know our, our group is – we're now talking about dividing and we have to stick together – that sort of soft frontier guitar strumming. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like that. Mm-hmm. You know, while we're talking about these Kino flashbacks, something that, that I forgot to say when we were watching the, the footage of, of TJ giving birth mm. was that this scene is, is uh, it's only half about what we're watching on the Kino screen uh, with, with her giving birth and with Young. So much of the scene is about... Chloe about and TJ our, and... and- and Eli, the yeah. closeness of these characters Our as well. Characters, uh, in the present day, mm-hmm. who are sitting there watching that and the way mm-hmm. that they're reacting, and um, you know the the way that Chloe sort of stands behind TJ and puts her hand on her shoulder, and you know TJ reaches out and puts her, her hand on Eli's shoulder. These and yeah. TJ's emotional reactions to this. Yeah. Movie. Oh my strong goodness. stuff. Elena Huffman is such a great actress. She's good, man. Yeah. She's just I'm both on the Kino screen and and in the in the viewing room. Uh, mm-hmm. Elena's just selling this, and it's I mean it's so great to see these characters have come to this place. Well, we've done this before, and even as early as time, you know, you see Scott putting his hand on on Eli's shoulder when when Eli Prime reveals mm-hmm. his mother's um his mother's HIV problems. So. You know, yeah. this this is a great storytelling device. And it's yeah. a little like, you know, sitting around the characters are sitting around watching TV and we're watching TV with them really. It's you, gotta you be hard to, to do a lot. Yeah, it's not easy. 
It's no, I hard can't imagine to... photographing that. They'd be like, oh, let's, there's only so many angles in this room. This is a small room. Yeah, it's it's got to be hard for the director to to make it interesting when the scene is about your characters watching TV, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it's done so well. And and uh, you know Elena and Elise and David do such a great job with it. We're all what we're all you know we're, as the audience we're watching the kino footage, wondering who's the guy, who's the, yeah. the daddy, <laughs> who's going to come out of the woods and be there to comfort TJ, and then Young comes out and you cut to. The, the present day TJ and the way that she sort of smiles is just, you know, she's wondering. Is it I was Navarro? expecting TJ to go, young? what? Him? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like Varro now. Yeah. <laughs> go away. Go away. <laughs> Hi, this is Bobby from Kirkland, Washington, with two comments on Common Descent. Comment number one. As several of the Destiny crew are watching the Kino footage of TJ giving birth, they see that TJ and Young are in a pretty obvious romantic relationship, with strong implication that Young is the father. Yet nobody watching the footage on Destiny seems at all shocked or scandalized, and TJ and Young don't seem embarrassed. Question. When did their relationship become public knowledge aboard Destiny? Comment number two. Immediately after, in that same Kino footage, Eli talks about being a parent and how his mother would be a grandparent. But Gin is dead. Question, who do we think is Eli's partner? Uh, So in this scene that we're talking about, um, nobody's really reacting. Nobody's got big eyebrows raised saying, wait a minute, TJ, I didn't know you and Colonel Young were. And I would guess that it's because at this point, everybody probably does know. I mean, between the rumor mill and watching the way that they have looked at each other over the last 18 mm. months, I'd guess that, that the small community on Destiny probably does know that they had a thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, she was pregnant, for goodness sakes. Who was the baby daddy then? Exactly. There was no Varro at that point. John actually uh, has one of my quibbles, so I'm going to allow him to introduce that. John from D.C. Hey, Dan and Dave. This is John from D.C. Just calling after watching the newest episode. Don't even know what the name of it is, but um, I was uh, at the end of the episode. The one of the things that stuck with me was I'm just surprised how much the language that they use doesn't seem to have changed. It's it's still the language that you know the originals were using, and it just didn't seem to evolve. You know, the girl said people are gonna freak out and stuff like that. Um, and the other thing was that. I just thought this was a fantastic episode. I can't wait for the next episode. This was just, this was just great. I loved it. Uh, this this was definitely one of my quibbles. I mean, I think you hear one of them say "totally awesome" at some point. I have a hard time believing that that would have survived in two thousand years. Uh, I can mm. understand a couple seeping through, you know, because I mean, we we use colloquialisms to this day that I mean, we have a trouble, you know trying to pinpoint the uh, the origins. It's raining cats and dogs, you know, things like that. You know, when did those first come into actual use? So I would expect a couple. Sure. But I'm, I was more disappointed that they didn't have their own colloquialisms. Because as soon as one of them says totally awesome, on one hand, I'm like, Eli, where I'm like, that's so cool. And on the other hand, I'm like, wait a second, 2,000 years, is that really going to survive? And I'm thinking that my, my brain is thinking about all this when I should be paying attention to the story on the show, and it's just derailing me from it. The other th- big thing that I wanted to uh, to bring up, and I tried to get Diane Turncheck to, to email me back on this this week because I think this is I think this is the glue that holds the entire episode together. And if it breaks down, then you know it's well, it's a sci-fi show. Okay. I don't think that eighty-five people have a large enough genetic pool to survive two thousand years. Mm. I don't think it's actually possible, let alone create millions and millions of survivors. The, the first thing I thought about with this uh, was when August appeared on screen, a very Native American, Indian, looking very, I mean, very North American, uh, Native American. And I don't think that an individual 2,000 years from now made up of 85 people would look like that. The genetic pool may have sort of made everybody. Oh, it would have flattened of, everyone out. They would yeah, have looked like the it, it, they would have looked like the folks from uh, the other side. You know, very, very. Everyone would have looked the same. There isn't. There just isn't enough of a genetic pool. You wouldn't mm-hmm. have had black people. You wouldn't have had Asian people. I really don't feel that. I mean, out of eighty-five people, you just wouldn't have that. 
that kind of data yes. if they would it's have survived sig- at all for 2,000 years? Yeah, it's a significant question. Is, is the genetic pool big enough? And then you have to think about the fact that with the civilians on board and the, the military on board, I would guess that Icarus space probably skewed a little bit more male mm-hmm. than the general population of Earth would. Mm-hmm. So then you have a, a, an even a proportionally lower number of women in that initial mm-hmm. settlement. Each I mean, of those women would have had to have pumped out five or six kids from five or six different men in order yeah. to keep that civilization afloat. And even then, I think you would have had, if there were some people surviving 2,000 years from now, I think you would have had a lot of genetic problems. Look at dogs, our greatest genetics achievements. You know, you've got such a wide variety of dogs, but that's also because dogs had that genetic diversity to begin with. Um, mm. There is no species on Earth that we know of that has that kind of genetic diversity. So this is this is a really big question, and I wish that um, uh, Diane would have been able to respond, but I, I think she's just way too busy right now. Yeah, well, you you imagine that one of the scientists that first generation might have said, "Hey, if we're going to make this work, uh, if we're actually going to create a, a civilization that's going to last, we need the genetic diversity of the women that we have. We need to have as many babies as possible by oh, yeah. by multiple men, and uh, you know with with a relationship like Matt and Chloe or TJ and Everett, you just don't see that happening. Mm-hmm. So I would guess that the, the, the diversity coming off that first generation is potentially even less. Yeah. And I mean, we don't know everybody on Destiny. I mean, Bobby's other question was, who is Eli's partner? Mm-hmm. He probably wasn't with Chloe. Gin was not around. So, you know, who did he find to hook up? I with? don't know. He might have. She might have had his child. It's really hard to say. You know, you would have had to have done certain things like mm. that in order to survive and <laughs> there's some fan fiction waiting in there somewhere oh yeah yeah this 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 group of people could spawn an entire series of fan fiction yeah eli and and chloe maybe for stargate for novus genetic diversity <laughs> stargate horizon now stargate yeah. novus um yeah but the the diversity thing is it is sort of related to this question of the english language and the fact that we have sort of a small uh starting pool for for linguistic use and mm-hmm. and maybe they would not have developed all that much. Um, now, two thousand years is a heck of a long time. A very long. You're talking about the time of Christ to now. Look at how yeah. much that individual has shaped our culture. So, yeah, and the fact that the modern English language is only a few hundred years old. Exactly. You have an incredibly sophisticated civilization with the use of Stargate technology within a galaxy where there are machines specifically bent on destroying said technology, and they use subspace events to to track it down. Why hasn't Novus been destroyed a long time ago? What spared them from the attack by the drones? What's that city still doing there? Yeah, well, um, theoretically, the drones were hibernating until we came along. And, ah. and stopped in their, in their little debris field. Very good. That's yeah, certainly possible. They were turned off, which means potentially if we would have kept sailing past this planet and had never heard of the Novans, uh, the drones may have come along and blow the hell out of them anyway. Mm-hmm. Hey, it's Cody from Pittsburgh, Indiana. Just going about the recent episode, Common Descent. Just a few questions, but what a great episode. Um, is that is the black hole that's coming towards the Nuvos, the new planet, um, because of the black hole, the rogue one, or is it because of the super volcano? And then also, are the tremors caused by the black hole and the super volcano caused by the tremors? That's just a question they never answered, and maybe they'll answer it in the next episode. Um, so another thing I would love, would have loved to see when the two shuttles came to rescue the stranded crew on the outpost is the two shuttles in formation flying together. Although it is understandable because those people who are flying them aren't real pilots and typically they're autopilot uh, shuttles. So that's understandable, but I mean, just what a great episode. Can't wait till next week. So a little explanation here. What was it exactly? that that uh, destroyed Novus? What was the threat that they were dealing with 30 years ago? Stay was tuned to Epilogue. Stay tuned to Epilogue to, to figure out what happened exactly. Um, the dialogue from the episode, 
uh, Common Descent that we watched. Super Volcano. They were, they were, there was evidence 30 years ago when this group yeah. left Novus. There was evidence to yeah. suggest that there was a rogue black hole that was approaching their system. Yep. Now, I didn't know the black holes moved. Um, yes, they can. Yeah. They can. They can move. Okay. Some of them sure so, do. So the black hole and, and, and the gravity threat that it has was, was probably creating the tremors, which may have resulted in some sort of a super volcano eruption situation yep. to yep. create this, this winter. Kind of like Yosemite for us. If Yosemite were to go up, I think that you would have had a very similar, I think you would, mm-hmm. that what you're seeing there is probably what you would get for us. So it's a very scary thought. <laughs> One that 2012 illustrates. I mean, it took 2000 years, but bad luck that that's the planet that mm-hmm. our, our wormhole gets rerouted to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm hoping they developed spaceships in 30 years and uh, and took off. Necessity breeds invention, man. Yeah. <laughs> well, my last quibble is uh, is related to Young's plan. We only have so much space on Destiny. We can't transport all these people to Novus, he says. This is before the drones attack. Mm-hmm. Sort of make it necessary. He says, we're going to go ahead a week. The, the, Novus is in our path. We're going to check them out. If their gate is broken, we can help them fix it. And they can go get their own people. Mm-hmm. There's, a, there's a significant flaw in his plan, which is that if the Novans are that advanced, if they are a thousand years or more advanced than we are, and they have a, a civilization with millions of people, they're probably able to fix the Stargate themselves. Mm. So it says either the gate is lost, the gate is permanently destroyed, or the civilization is not there anymore. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was really yeah. wishful thinking. Yeah. Uh, on Young's part, that they were going to find anything other than what they found. Yeah, I think so too. And, you know, I mean, if the gate was broken and there was still a civilization there, Destiny could have parked in orbit over Novus and became the dominant gate, brought the people back to Destiny, and just yeah. shuttled them down to the planet. Yeah, I enjoyed this episode a lot. Once again, it just shows how strong the back half of the season is and that, that SGU is really finding a way to, to, to strike a great balance between, between the type of of stories that that are you know darker and more serious and more mm. character driven, but also you know have a sense of humor mm-hmm. and are a little bit fun. And frankly, as a longtime Stargate fan, I was elated that there were puddle passes in this episode. We watched people walk through the Stargate more than once. Oh yeah, and we got that little that little sound effect of, yeah. of somebody stepping through the event horizon. You um, notice they never show wormholes like a, anymore. Yeah, it felt like a classic Stargate episode. You notice they never show wormholes anymore. Yeah, you're right. The they never show the, pers- the traveling perspective. That's true. Well, thanks, everybody, for your thoughts on Common Descent. Now, we got a ton of uh, voicemail this week on uh, cancellation of, of Stargate uh, and also on some past episodes of SGU. So let's listen to the latter first. Listener mail. Hey, guys, this is Morgan from West Virginia. And I was just listening to your podcast um, on the episode Seizure. And you guys mentioned that you guys really did connect with the characters at all during the story, especially uh, with Rush and Eli and Amanda Perry. And I would agree with you in all aspects except for the very last part where Eli is, ta- is basically yelling at Rush about how he had to put Amanda and Gin into the isolation program so she could save he could save him. And I thought that was really powerful and a really good connection moment. Just wondering your thoughts. Hi, David. This is Graham from Spokane. I'm calling in regards to episode 122, uh, near the end of the podcast for your quibbles. Um, you guys, uh, you and Diana were talking about the joke uh, interplay between um, Eli and McKay. So... David, you had it wrong. Um, what McKay was saying was that he was trying to say he had less weight than Eli at Eli's age, but he was cut off. And then Eli uh, insinuated that uh, instead of weight, um, uh, McKay had less hair at Eli's age. Not that McKay had less hair when he was younger. He had less hair than Eli himself. Uh, so you didn't quite get that one. Uh, you didn't get that joke, um, but Diana is right. 
that that doesn't make a ton of sense because I also agree that McKay wouldn't, or Eli wouldn't know McKay, wouldn't know that he is only slightly balding. Um, so, because he was sitting inside Brody's body. So, uh, <clears throat> it was a funny joke, um, and I didn't actually catch it uh, during the episode, but now that you say it on the quibbles, it makes total sense that maybe that was uh, a joke that was not needed at the expense of continuity. Uh, hi, I'm Dana calling from Seattle. I was listening to the Seizure podcast earlier, and there was debate debate about the hair joke, which I am in full agreement with Diana. It was a cheap joke that completely violated the continuity of what we know to be the case with the Stones and the fact that we have no reason to believe that Eli has ever even seen McKay. But it's not the first time they've done this. In the episode Earth, when Brian Kennedy playing the handsome young scientist comes into Eli's body via the Stones, he asks for some different clothes, implying that these clothes don't fit him, which they absolutely would. He's not in his body. He's in Eli's body. And at the time, I thought, what a cheap, insulting, stupid joke, and why would they bother? Every time somebody else jumps into anybody's body, they are wearing the same exact clothes, but clearly it's not poorly fitted to them because they just get the right size outfit for the actor. So it's an unfortunate joke, and I wish they didn't have that tendency. Hi, my name, name is Adam, and I'm calling from Sweden about the Space Deer episode, whatever it's called. And basically, it's a good episode, I think, but I have a couple of issues with it. First off, even though they are they are on a planet the whole time. The star, we don't see the Stargate a single time. And it's a Stargate show. I mean, we should at least see the vortex or maybe the, the gate opening. And the other issue I have is the creature. Uh, honestly, it can sense intelligence. That's just a pretty stupid plot, I think. And I would have liked seen the stasis pods a lot more, because that was a really interesting plot line. But I would have liked Rush to find out earlier about this, and maybe all the scientists having to get the whatever is called out of the stasis pod. And I think we should see a lot more intelligent aliens in Stargate Universe because, honestly, they are being out in space and finding a lot of habitable planets and none of them has any technology whatsoever. I would have liked to find a species like the Tolans or one the other technologically advanced species in Stargate SG-1, something like that. Thanks everybody for those. We could not fit all of the cancellation voicemail into this show, so what we're going to do is if you don't hear your voicemail and you called in or emailed in uh, Don't freak out. Don't freak out. Stay <laughs> tuned. Uh, we're going to just uh, spread these out over the course of the next few weeks, and uh, please, uh, if you've got some thoughts, uh, mm. give us a call on the podcast hotline. Uh, which you'll hear in just a minute, but let's get to this voicemail. Hey, Gate World. Uh, it's Nathaniel in Atlanta. I've been sitting on a thought for a while, and it's really bugging me. So MGM has got this franchise, Stargate, that they know makes a ton of money from international sales and, yes, still from DVD sales, although not as much as it used to. But those, I know for a fact that it's very successful internationally and through syndication and everything the point that I'm fairly confident that at the end of the day, it does turn a profit. So why not slap down as MGM a company the extra money, produce the show, and then just get somebody to pay the license fee in Atlanta that are in America, even though it's, even though it's not the full budget that they're getting from sci-fi. They'd still eventually turn a profit, at least I seem to get the impression from what I've heard that they would. So why can't they just do that? 
anyway, I know you guys aren't experts on um, syndication or on company stuff, but from your knowledge point, what are your thoughts on this? Hello, this is Mark from Metro Detroit. I just watched your podcast about Stargate going off the air for a little while, uh, the announcement that we finally know that they're not going to be doing anything with Universe, at least for now. Obviously, depending on if the franchise gets rebooted fast enough and what happens with it, or once the franchise picks up again, because it's not over. Stargate is a pedigree of MDM, and they are going to do something. And what I think what I think they probably are planning on doing, I don't know if this is actually something, they, they might even have plans already in the works, but I think that the film is where they should go and where they're probably thinking because they need to reboot this. They need to essentially do something big that gets people looking at Stargate again, and a TV series will not do that. That's going to get people who watch TV. By spending 50 to $100 million, maybe even more, and getting this thing in theaters and making this uh, making this like a $100 million, fairly big budget sci-fi movie could be the way to go. Make it something that people who've never seen any Stargate, except for maybe the film, can understand, but also people who've seen every episode of Stargate, Stargate or SG-1, Atlantis, and Universe can really understand this deeper and, and, and better, not like the uh, not like the SG-1 films where, for the most part, yes, continuum, you could see it without seeing it, but it was mainly for people who had already seen the TV show. It was not for new fans, and that's what I think they should do. And I do think the books and the comic books are going to continue, and I think, I still think it's going to continue, but they need to figure out where to go from here because this is, in my opinion, last thing I'll say, in my opinion, this is the third biggest sci-fi franchise of all time. And on my list, it goes Star Wars, Star Trek, Stargate. So me being able to say this is this, this is the third biggest one, I don't think they're going to let that go away because they have the third biggest sci-fi franchise, I think, in history. It's much bigger than a lot of the other ones. You know, TNG was made without a network, wasn't it? I mean, TNG, wasn't yeah. it made specifically for syndication? And DS9 were both syndication. Yeah, Voyager was created in conjunction with UPN, and so was Enterprise. But TNG and DS9, I mean, Paramount did the funding for that. I don't, I, I don't understand why they couldn't do the same thing. Yeah, well, they were able to fund it because uh, they could go around to uh, local stations in different yeah. markets all over the country and get the okay and sell it through and get funding. Um, and, and syndication has been great for Stargate. It's always been sort of a icing on the cake where MGM mm-hmm. has made a, a good deal of money. Well, the it money's certainly hasn't not, helped them. <laughs> yeah. The money's not in syndication anymore, so I, I, I yeah. kind of suspect that you couldn't fund the whole show that way. Although, it hasn't been that many years since Legend of the Seeker. And they did two years in syndication uh, with very high production values. But yeah, Nathaniel's point is that SG, uh, is that the Stargate franchise makes a lot of money internationally. And you have to know that MGM was doing all that math over the course of the last four months mm-hmm. and, and just decided that even with selling, you know, if they make a movie, even if they get to sell it in all different formats and in all different countries, as many ways as they can, and then repackage it and sell it again, um, that it still was not enough. Hi, it's Steven from New York City. Um, fans, it's 99, summer of 99 of, a, of a Stargate. And as, I, as everyone here says, I'm sorry to see it go, but I enjoyed my 17 years of it, and I'm looking forward to, to these last three episodes. Heartbreaking as it shall be to lose, you know, what I consider for me one of the best form of entertainment that's left on television. Um, I just really want to say also that let's remember, after too many negative thoughts, you know, comments I'm reading all over the place regarding Brad Wright. Brad Wright, since the end of season four of SG-1, was pushing and wanted to, to go to the next level, which, which was at Stargate Atlantis. And he did that. He was the one who pushed for Atlantis, and he was the one that got the thing going. He did not want to end SG, um, Stargate Atlantis to begin SGU. Rather, he took the opportunity because he saw that the writing was on the wall, that Season 5 would probably be the last episode, the last season, as Joe Malazzo was preparing us for 
in the summer of 2008, you know, or in the summer of 2007, let us know that it might be happening. But I just, you know, let's remember that these guys, this they, this is their lifeblood for like 17 years. And, you know, let's stop with the negativity regarding Brad. He did a great job, and I'm really thankful for it. And I'm happy I had um, Stargate for all these years. Again, thanks, Darren and Dave, for the work you've been doing. And personally, I hope you guys do do the podcast with the the, the episode commentary. I would really enjoy that, personally, and, and I will listen to that. So hopefully you guys can get that done. Hi, Darren. Hi, David. Uh, my name is Ron. I'm calling from the central Ohio area. And I just wanted to call and chime in my two cents on uh, what has happened to science fiction on television in general. It's uh, really a shame that every show that I've really enjoyed over the last almost decade has gotten canceled because of this trend towards reality television. I used to be in the television business here and I actually live in Columbus. And uh, I made commercials for a long time and got to know a lot of people in business. And it's really a shame uh, I watched the last Star Trek franchise, Enterprise, go down after only four seasons, and that was right at the very beginning of the reality television trend, and I started to see the writing on the wall right at about that time when that show was canceled. Television producers, their eyes go wide, and they see dollar signs because they can produce five and six reality shows for the cost of one produced science fiction show, and if not more, and... uh you know, I mean, look at Sci-Fi Channel right now. They have shows like that uh, Face-Off, where they're the makeup effects artists. All they have is a camera and a bunch of people standing around and shooting videotape is real cheap, nothing to produce. So uh, it's just a shame that uh, that this is a trend, and I really hope that it's a trend that doesn't last very long. Uh, you guys are doing a great job with your podcast. I love to listen to you. I drive long distances back and forth every day, and it, it really helps pass the time in a very entertaining way, and I hope you keep it up even when uh, Universe is gone. I hope, you, I hope you keep doing it for as long as you can, and maybe these people will get the hint that there's an entire crowd of people out there that really, really, really want produced science fiction, space-based science fiction, none of this sword and sorcery stuff that seems to be replacing it. Heck, they can't even keep Legend of the Keeper. That gets canceled because it's so expensive. I mean, it's just ridiculous. Anyway, you guys are doing a great job. Keep it up. Uh, the, the, everybody I know here in Central Ohio that's a science fiction fan really loves to listen to you guys, so just, just keep up the good work, and uh, you guys are really a load of laughs. Hi, GateWorld. This is James from San Francisco, California. Long-time listener, first-time caller. <laughs> well, last week's news out of Vancouver just breaks my heart. I've been a fan since the original film came out in 94. I've watched every iteration and it's just so tragic. I mean, they took a calculated risk with Stargate Universe, and I'm sorry it didn't pan out. I really wanted that kind of darker, more serialized kind of storytelling you know, to work with Stargate. But, you know, I have to look on the positives. Uh, it's been a 14-year run. They've taken us from the Milky Way to Pegasus to Destiny across three movies uh, and 354 television episodes. So in addition to that, we've also gotten David Arnold's kick-ass overture, so there are the good things. And I know this isn't the end, just as I knew that Star Trek wasn't going to end with the cancellation of Star Trek Enterprise in 2005. It was too important to Paramount, and Stargate is too important to MGM. It will be back, but in some different form and somewhere down the road. So until then, uh, I just hope that when it does return, they learn from the lessons of what did and didn't work and just continue to give us more adventures from beyond the gate. Thanks, everybody, once again for those voicemails. And if you didn't hear your voicemail this week, stay tuned to the Gate World podcast. We have three more episodes of SGU coming up. So coming up on the podcast, uh, our next episode is going to be Epilogue. Uh, that'll be podcast number 125. And then Blockade 126 and the series finale of Stargate Universe. Grr, hiss, boo. Gauntlet. <laughs> Gauntlet is the title. And that'll be podcast 127. Okay, if people want to call in and uh, and uh, leave some voicemail about the latest episode of SGU or about the cancellation, what number should they call? Area code 951-262-1647. If you're calling internationally, long-distance rates do apply, FYI. Um, we recommend Skype or Google Talk now has a program as well. So really cheap rates, mm. you can call in that way. 
You can also email in a brief audio recording, MP3 format preferred, to webmaster at gateworld.net, and Darren will throw it into the um, the voicemail bag. Our podcast feedback thread is always at your disposal in GateWorld Forum. Uh, where you can talk up the show. You can also talk up the show in the show notes section at the bottom of that page. Show notes has all of the appropriate links to everything that we discussed in this episode. So if you're on iTunes, that's where you can go to check us out. And thanks for joining us once again for the podcast. I'm glad that people are listening to it and are, are telling us that they're enjoying yeah, listening yeah. to us. Especially email. right now where you think that people would be leaving in droves. Like there's no reason to watch anymore. There's no yeah. reason to listen rather. There's nothing new going on. Hopefully, this kind of show will be a life raft to some of us who are hopefully hanging on until the next incarnation of Stargate. Yeah, we'll be hanging on. I mean, three more episodes of SGU, and then and then the great darkness comes. Um, but we're still going to be here. We're still going to be talking. And uh, I'm just really glad to listen to the voicemail that I've heard come in so far because it sounds like Stargate fans are are not just pissed off, but Stargate fans are really you know coming together this time uh thanks to russell for editing this show uh we'll catch you guys next week from gate world this is darren this is david and tune in once again for more of the gate world podcast